Hey, hey, and welcome to the show. Today, my guest is a growing celebrity in the fitness world. He was just on the cover of Runner's World magazine, and he has a nude photo published in Men's Health magazine. Now, whatever image you have in your head, scramble it, because Martinez Evans is here to update you on what a runner and an athlete can look like. He is a 300-pound black man and leading a movement to support and celebrate non-traditional runners. Martinez has run over eight marathons since his doctor told him to lose weight or die in July 2012. Since then, he's also coached hundreds of runners and founded the Slow AF Run Club, a community of over 10,000 runners worldwide. He's also the author of the book, Slow AF Run Club, the ultimate guide for anyone who wants to run. When he's not running races around the world, he enjoys speaking passionately about issues related to size inclusivity, mindset, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and mental health. In this episode, Martinez talks to all of us, but especially if you have ever thought that you are too old, too fat, too anything to get started in a sport. He's going to get into stuff like how to keep going if you don't hit your goal, what to do about the fear of being heckled or injured what to do if you're pretty sure that you're going to come in last in the race. And dude, his story about getting on his first treadmill will break your heart. He is going to talk about the challenges of running as a black man and how to be an ally for runners of color. And one of my favorite tips, the ultimate mindset reframe for slow AF runners and what it has to do with Baywatch. Here's Martinez. It's time to get your head out of your ass and start creating a life of no regrets. Whether you want to lose weight, get rich, or manifest a hot threesome on the beach, you're going to want to turn this up. This is Goals, Grit, and Some Woo-Woo Shit with your host, best-selling author and professional butt kicker, Una Duncan. Okay, Martinez, thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I know you're in the middle of a big book tour, so I imagine you're pretty busy right now. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I just finished your book and I really enjoyed it. And you dedicated it to anyone who has felt that they were too fat, too slow, too old, or too fill in the blank to become a runner. And you say on Instagram, we are both just like any other runner and also completely different. So can you start by telling the listeners why non-traditional runners, as you say, why did they need their own book? Non-traditional runners need their own book because they're just not thought about in the traditional lexicon when it comes to running books, right? So I'm a plus size runner, right? I'm 300 plus pounds. There's no book that talks about all the things that I may experience as a 300 pound runner, right? Like most running books or just running in general, they typically assume like this person is running or like is 150 pounds and is running like a 10 minute mile. And like, mm-hmm. that's the floor, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily the floor. When you go to like races like New York city marathon or Chicago marathon, you see people who's running 15, 16, 17 minute miles, or even may even walk the whole full marathon. They may walk the full 26.2 miles and there's nothing out there to help support these individuals. Tell me a little bit more about that. What kind of support would they need that maybe other people wouldn't think of? Let's just talk about like clothing for once, right? Like brands like to do sports specific clothing. Mm -hmm. So once you have the running label on it, there's nothing bigger or larger than an XL. Literally nothing, right? 
So like that separates a whole group of individuals who's running, but they may not even be able to fit running clothes. Yeah. So like, that's one thing, right? You think mm-hmm. about like fuel, right? Like race fuel. It, it, it assumes like a person is running a certain speed because it's like, oh, take this at every 45 minutes, right? But like for who and at what weight? Like mm-hmm. my basal metabolic rate is way different than somebody who's 150 pounds, right? Sure. So like your nutrition can't be the same. Biologically, it can't be the same. Like you're expending more carbs and expending more calories while running than somebody who's typically 150 pounds. So like, that's one thing you think about shoes, you think about hydration, you think about like race experience where you might go to a race and you're in the back while you're in the back, the race is packing up. So you may not have water throughout the whole race. Hell, you may not even get a medal because like they packed up everything or don't didn't buy enough. So it's just so many things that just are to be left out about or like not thought about or thought through. And it just really just feels like non-traditional runners or even adult onset athletes are just the afterthought. Like, oh yeah, like we got to do that. And therefore excluded because no one thought about them. Exactly. Because they're not the norm. So Martinez, can you take us back to when you first started running? What got you running? Yeah, so I started running about 10 years ago, actually 11 years ago. And how I started running was is very interesting. So I was working at Men's Warehouse at the time. I was on my feet eight to 10 hours a day, working this commission sales job in a suit, wearing dress shoes and developed some hip issues. So I went to go see a doctor. I never met this doctor a day in my life. And I'm sitting there and I'm telling this doctor like, hey, doc, like my hip hurts. Started this new job, used to play football. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Like, please help. And he was like, I know what's wrong with you. Me. Okay. Like, what's wrong? And he was like, you're fat. Lose weight or die. So. He said lose weight or die? Yes. Lose weight or die. Okay. (laughs) So I'm sitting there like, so, okay. But what about my hip? So, you know, he goes on this whole thing of like, you know, you. You you need to start losing weight. You got this stomach as a pregnant woman. You need to go on a track and like start walking to lose weight. And I kind of laughed at him or scoffed at him because I was like, I'm on my feet eight to 10 hours a day. Like my job is for me to be on my feet. And, you know, for him not to know anything about me, for him not to get to know me as a, a new patient, just to say like, you fat, you need to lose weight. And that's the reason why your hip hurts. And tell me what I need to lose, you know, lose weight to die or start walking on this track. And I was like, well, I'm going to run a marathon. And he laughed at me and told me that's the most dumbest thing he has heard in all his years of practicing medicine. And then he also told me, well, if I uh, attempt to run the marathon, I'll die as well. So like I'm sitting here on the, I don't know what you call the little, the little the doctor's bed thing. Bed yeah. thing. So I'm like, so if I, if I don't lose weight, I'm going to die. And if I try to run a marathon, I'm going to die. And I say, like, well, let's just go find out there. And then like, but, but I think one of the other things is like, that's what like people of size have to deal with. Yeah. You can have a broken pinky, pinky finger. And it's like, oh, before we, yeah, before we fix this pinky, well, let's talk about how fat your hand is. (laughs) Like that's going to stop it from growing back. And for me, I was like, screw that. Like I'm, I'm going to prove this doctor wrong. So I bought running shoes that day and I started running. 
And, you know, it was tough and it was hard, but it was just one of those things. I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired of people putting their own limiting beliefs on me and not necessarily know who I am and what I do. Well, you tell that story about that doctor and you even mentioned that doctor in the thank you notes for your book, basically Mm -hmm. being like, I wish I knew your name because I would send you a copy of this book. But then you say kind of halfway through the book that even though that doctor kept you so charged up and you were like, absolutely, I'm running a marathon. After a while, you know, it's been 10 years, that Mm -hmm. doctor didn't piss you off as much anymore. You started Mm -hmm. to need a new reason to get out and hit the pavement. Exactly. So what what would you say gets you out there and running consistently? I think people who follow you think like, oh, Martinez, he's just always motivated. He can't wait to get running every day. Is that true? No. (laughs) (laughs) Far from the truth. Running is hard. Sometimes running is boring, but this is just the thing that's fulfilling for me. It's something about like training for a race or like being in the mode to say, okay, I'm going to spend the next 20 weeks, 16 weeks training for this thing. And I'm going to put my all to it and then go run the thing. And there's something about that that I really enjoy that journey, that process of like training and like just trying to make myself better. So like, that's one of the things. The other things I just have so much fun. Like I have a ball while running races. And like, that's the thing that just makes me keep coming back is just the amount of fun I have talking to people, giving out high fives, just being in the back, talking to random strangers that I just really enjoy. For those of you who don't yet follow Martinez on Instagram, so you can see some videos of him participating in races, jogging up beside someone and you'll find out there's their first marathon. He'll shout to the crowd. It's their first marathon. And he just gets the whole crowd. I mean, animated and excited. And you're such a amazing, energetic figure at the races. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about when it comes to staying consistent? Can you tell us about your chase values, crush goals? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. So like when we talk about goal setting, I feel like it's so lackluster. Like everybody always talk about like smart goals and like, you got to, have these goals and yada, yada, yada. But I think like goals is just a piece of the puzzle, right? So like, that's where like chase values curse goes from, because like, it's just one piece of the picture. And for most people, we have to take a step back. Cause it's like, Oh, this is the goal I have. And then I'm like, okay, that's great. But like, what do you value? Like for a lot of people, like that's a, that's a hard thing to really realize. I was like, well, what is your fitness values? Like, what do you value about physical fitness other than like the potential thing of like running a race and thing and so on and so forth? And there's really a lesson of like just teaching people like what does a value mean? Like, what do you value? And then from there, like, what are some goals to help fulfill that value? And then like taking a step further to say, okay, like what are some of the processes and habits do you need? in order to like make these goals come into fruition. So it's really, when you look at it, you, you have the process from a macro where it's like, you're looking at your, 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 your value. And then like you have the, the micro of like looking at what are your habits that you're going to do in order to make that goal come into fruition. Okay. Let me, let me tease this out a little bit. So Mm -hmm. your values, when you say fitness values, are you talking about things like, speed and endurance or are you talking about like being able to play with your grandchildren being able to play with your grandchildren so the thing about a value is a value is something that's unattainable like it's only attained when you when you're dead like a value 
a value is something that people say about you when you're not around. Like Unang, she's a good mother, right? But there's not one thing that you can do to be a good mother, right? Got it. So, yeah. like, there's it's a, a bunch of, huh? What'd you it's say? It's like, yeah, it's like a fulfillment of an ideology. It's exactly. Like- so, like, your fitness value can be like, yes, I want to be able to play with my grandchildren for the, for the rest of their lives or for the rest of my life, or I right. want to be able to move freely from sport to sport and enjoy those sports. Right. So like, that's not necessarily a thing that you can be like, yep, check one sport, next sport. Right. Yeah. It, it's an overarching ideal. Okay. So if you say, okay, my value is I want to be the person who brings the most energy to the race. Mm-hmm. And then, so you're like, that's my, that's my value. I want to be known as that person. Right. And so then you would break it down to a goal. Okay. Well, in right. order to achieve that value, I've got to finish right. a race. I've got I got to, to finish a race. I got to go to a race. I got to train for a race. And that's the beauty and about, habit, yeah. Get your ass out on the pavement and run. Exactly. Got it. Got it. I love it. Thank you. What are your values and your, any specific goal that you're working on right now? I think the overall overarching value that I have is to be a beacon for individuals who has been typically told they can't do it. So like that's an overarching value. And some of the goals that I have along that is like writing this book, check mark, right? Yep. Creating various training plans or various training products in order to help people like check mm-hmm. and check, right? Mm-hmm. Go on tour. So that more people can be amongst me and, and, and get the teachings of Martinez, right? So the habits for that is, is it really depends on the particular goal. So like for writing a book, one of my habits was for the first three hours of the day, I would not consume anything and I would have to sit in front of my computer and write something. And this could be, this is dumb, which sometimes I did do. Because I didn't have any words. Well, I'll just sit there and just write, this is dumb. This is dumb. This is dumb. Mm -hmm. And then other times, like words came out to help create the book that you've read. That's a great habit. And I love the discipline around that habit and you're allowing it to be smaller, right? Like Mm -hmm. the value of small wins. Like if you can't get out for your regular 10K or whatever, you walk what you got to walk and you do as long as you can, you're still getting out there and you're still reinforcing that habit leading towards that value. Exactly. Um, I think a lot of people fail because like they, they go into this all or none mentality. And that's not the case when it comes to fitness. Like fitness yeah. is one of those things where it builds up over time. Like mm-hmm. if you run one marathon, that don't mean like it's there. It's a consistent thing over time, right? I, and I think those those are some of the things I just try to get people to really understand as they're starting to move along their journey and really trying to understand like what are the habits and what are the what are their goals throughout the whole process? I really liked in your book you had a structure of you would talk about something like goal setting and habits, and then you would have a Q and A at the end that was specifically geared towards non traditional runners, like mm-hmm. questions that non traditional runners will ask me about this. And one of them is, well, what if I don't hit my goal? And mm-hmm. I think that that is a big fear for people who are just starting. They are terrified to commit to a goal like running a marathon. So they're like, what if I what if I don't make it? So I'm trying to ask you, have you always hit your goals? And what do you do if not? <laughs> no, <laughs> I have not always hit my goals. And there's sometimes I've had goals and I was like, nope, this is not the one. I need to cut it out. And that's okay, right? I think that we spend too much on the 
particular outcome versus the journey and the steps to really get there. Right. Mm -hmm. So one of the stories that didn't make the book is I ran Berlin marathon a few years back, hired a trainer. And like, this is my thing. I was like, all right, Berlin marathon is a very flat race. This is where like the world records for the fastest marathons are held because like it's a super fast course. I want a PR or like I want to run my personal best. So I hire a trainer, spend a lot of money and spend like 16 weeks working with this trainer and did all of the things. I want to say all of the things, probably about 80% of the things she told me to do. Get to the race. And the conditions are not, are not personal best conditions. Uh It rained. Not only rain, like the sky opened up and poured down to the fact that some of the elite athletes like end up like cutting from the race and being like, okay, I'm in the middle of this race. I'm not doing this. I'm done. Right. But instead I, I continue to run and I run this race and I did not hit my personal best. Mm-hmm. In fact, cause I slowed down so much. I didn't even get a, a race medal. Like I didn't even get to fin- officially finish the race. Like I ran the 26.2 miles, but I did not cross the finish line because being so slow, they closed everything down. Oh. So I was devastated. I cried. I boohooed. I'm like, I spent all this money. I didn't came all the way to Berlin, like to, to like waste this stuff. Right. And I think for a lot of people, like we focus on that thing of like, Oh, this is a goal. It did not happen. Luckily for me, like I had to have a, a short memory because. That year, I packed my schedule with like a bunch of races. So every Sunday or every other Sunday, I had another race. So as I, I gave myself like 48 hours to like be bitter about it, but I told myself on the, on the flight back, I need to like just work on or focus on the next race. Ran the next race, which was a half marathon and ran the fastest race that I've ever ran in all of my life. Nice. So That's it's that awesome. notion of like, yeah, you may not accomplish that goal. Yeah, you may not do that goal that you had set in place, but like you don't know the impact that it's going to have or that lasting impact moving forward because you're just focused on that one thing. Yeah. And the journey that you took in striving for that goal has set you up for the next goal. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of goals, I thought this was so interesting. You sort of actively discourage people from starting to run in order to lose weight. Like you straight up start the book by saying, listen, I've run eight marathons and I haven't lost a pound. And sometimes I gain weight during the a training cycle. I wondered, were you worried about discouraging potential new runners when you said that? I don't know. I don't think I was. I think where I was really just trying to come from is just give people like the rawest information yeah. that I wish somebody would have told me. Right. So like if people want to run to lose weight, like don't train for a marathon because mm. <laughs> the way it's set up, it just don't make sense. So you want somebody to run for six, seven hours and eat nothing but carbs and like carbo load and things of that sort. Like that just it does not go in line with restricted weight loss tendencies or values. Mm-hmm. Like you're not training for weight loss like you're training for like you're training for performance. So if you're training for performance, like, yes, you might have to eat a overabundance of food. Yes, mm-hmm. you might have to eat carbs and a lot of carbs, especially if you like, oh, no, I'm paleo. You're going to have a hell of a, a hell of a time 
training for these races. You don't see sides of like pork or beef on the, on the side of the road. Like, no, like people handing out candy and, and gummy bears and stuff like that. Cause it's like fast acting sugar. It just don't, it does not coincide with what traditional diet culture says about like weight loss. And like, does, does people do it? Like, yeah, some people do do it, but I, I wonder about their performance. Well, when you when you left that doctor's office and you were like, screw you, I'm going to run a marathon, was the thought of I'm going to run a marathon and lose weight or was it, screw you, I'm going to run a marathon in this body and show you that there's nothing I can't do in this body? So when I first started running, it was, it was about intentional weight loss. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Like intentional weight loss was the thing. Did I lose weight? <laughs> yeah. Was I a, a horrible, mean person in the process? Yes. I was fucking hungry, like <laughs> starving. You know, the life problems that I have and the the issues that I went through that I thought like, oh, if if I just lose 50, 60, 70 pounds, change my life. Like, did that change my life? No. Mm. Was I miserable? Yes. But was becoming a runner changed your life. Yeah. yeah. But like becoming a runner changed my life. And it really wasn't until... I had this bad car accident. So I have this bad car accident and running is almost taken away from me. I have this neck and shoulder injury. They don't know if I'm able to run. And it was during that process where I like gained back all that weight and like not necessarily able to run. And I remember like journaling and going to therapy and like talking to my therapist and being like, I was not 80 pounds happier. Like, yeah, I lost 80 pounds, but I wasn't 80 pounds happier. And actually my life was more miserable because of it right because i didn't have the fat to hide behind like it sucks when like your friends and family come to you and be like you know what i like the fat martinez better because this skinny version of you is an asshole fucking hate you right so (laughs) and i don't mean to go that wild but like that's how it was right and to be able to like go to therapy and talk to therapists and be like you know I'm, i'm not happier because of this quote unquote weight loss. Like I felt like I was duped. And for you know, to the answer be or the question to ask, well, what what made you happy? Or like what was the thing that made you happy? And it was like running. Like running was the thing that made me happy. Like running these races and like going on this journey and chatting with new people, like that's what made me happier. And the therapist is like, well why why can't you just do that then? Like if if and when you get approved to run, like why not you just run for happiness and joy? And like if it if the weight comes off, it comes off, but you know, you're not just gonna focus on that. And I was like, you know what, you're right. So like that's what I did. And like now it's like kind of a revolutionary like thought and mindset. But like back then, like people was looking at me crazy. Like, so you are doing all this exercising, but you're not trying to lose weight? Yeah, I'm not. Or like people always ask, like, well, how much weight you lost? And I was like, man, I ain't been on the scale in like four years, sometimes even longer than that. And I was like, well, how, how, how are you tracking your progress? And it's like, it's not about weight. It's not about a weight loss journey. Like, that's how I track my progress. It must be so frustrating because, I mean, you tell one story about trying to find a runner's club, I think, in mm-hmm. San Francisco. And the day you showed up, you're like, hey, I'm training for a marathon, you know? And they were like, oh, I think maybe you should lose a little bit of weight first and try mm-hmm. something easier. And this person said this first millisecond of meeting you. And it made me wonder, how often do you start a running conversation and then it gets switched to a weight loss conversation? All the time. All the times. You know, it's one of those things where 
like for the Slow F Run Club, like my own run club, like it's something that we don't talk about. Like it's in the rules. Like it's in the rule books. Like no weight loss talk. I don't care about how much weight you lost. I don't care about what diet you on. Like I'm, I care about the activities that you're doing that makes you a part of this club. Cause I think for a lot of people, like once you take away, like, Oh, I'm on this pedestal, like, Oh, I lost 80 pounds or 50 pounds. And it's like, okay, great. Like what else, what else about you? Good for you. Like, but like, what are your hobbies? What are your goals? What are the things you like to do in life? So I think that's one of the things for a lot of people is that we, we, we put all our things on like, Oh, I lost this weight and you didn't. So like, I'm morally superior to you. And it's like, no, you're not. And the same thing with running. It's like, Oh, I run, I run a distance that we both run the same distance. I just ran it faster than you and I'm morally superior. And it's like, you're not though. Like you can be a horrible person. Like you kick babies. Like I don't know. Like how because you run fast, I'll make you a morally better person. This episode is brought to you by the Masters of Fitness Awesomeness Program. Here's someone who wants to tell you what that is. I'm Deanna Spindler. I am 43. I uh, joined the 28 Day Transformation and followed up with MFA, and it has been so awesome. To anyone who is considering joining, if you want to feel good in your own skin, then do it. If you want to gain some confidence, then do it you're absolutely going to feel better. So those are my words about the MFA. I've loved it. Having a great time and super pumped even just to be able to send this over. Thanks. Hey, if you're liking this episode and you want to make sure you don't miss the next one, you can sign up at unaduncan.com slash podcast, and I'll be sure to keep you in the loop. Okay, back to the podcast. You titled your first chapter, you versus your mind versus everyone. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us about some of the mindset questions that every runner needs to ask themselves? Oh, man. I think the main thing that people need to ask themselves is, A, why are you doing this? I think, B, the other thing you need to ask themselves is, like, why? It goes back to, like, why even talking to yourself this way? So we have, like, critics, right? And we even have our own inner critic. And one of the things that I, I talk about in that chapter is like, how do you even manage your own inner critic? I think you call your inner critic drunk uncle Otis. Yes. Drunk uncle Otis. <laughs> Which is funny for me because that's my son's name. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Drunk uncle Otis. Right. And one of the things I learned, like when you go on this journey, like mindset journey, right? Like you understand that not everything you think about yourself is true. And not everything you feel about yourself is real, right? So like, once you understand that, you can really understand that you can have a positive outlook on life, or you can choose positivity, or you can choose indifference, or you can choose negativity. And it's really upon you to really decide like which one is it that you decide to have. And for me, in most cases, I try to choose the positive one. But also in the book, I, I, I tell myself, if I can't choose the positive one, because like who's always positive, at least choose the neutral one. You said in your run club, you don't allow weight loss talk. What about people who are coming in with limiting beliefs of what they can do in their current body? I mean, I'm, well, I'm sure you allow some talk about people feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm too fat. I'm self-conscious. Anything like that? Yeah. And that's a question about like self-talk. 
that's a question about mindset and like getting them to figure out who their Otis is and like having this conversation. People's Otises? Yeah, to point out people's Otises, right? And that's a hard thing to do for some people because some people are not necessarily here to receive it. But the, the beautiful part is what I tell people is that you want to go talk about weight loss, go, go to the 100 million other clubs, crews, communities all around the world, talk about weight loss. Mm-hmm. But if you want to talk about how to run in the body that you have right now, if you want to talk about like how to manage your inner critic, how to go through some of these obstacles you may face as a, a as a larger individual, we the crew for you. I have a podcast episode called Do It Fat, in which I encourage people to do whatever they think they're going to do once they lose weight. Just do it now in the body yeah. that you have. And you have an exercise in your book called Do It Afraid. Mm-hmm. What would you suggest for an aspiring runner who's afraid, afraid of um, getting injured, being humiliated, being the last one at the race? Like these are real fears that prevent people from from moving. Yeah. What do you say to those people? What I tell them is like, let's weigh it out. Like, what's the worst thing can happen? Like, what if what if the thing you're afraid of is true? What if you come in last? Yeah. Now what? I come in last. My family's been waiting there forever. They're packing up the race. I'm humiliated. As I ran, people heckled me. But did you finish? Yeah. And what that says about you? That I'm stronger than all of that. Exactly. Yeah. So we can go through that, right? It's a conversation to have people like, let's break it down. Because sometimes the, the thought of the fear is bigger than the actual thing. Reality. You come in last. So what? You you finish the race, right? One of the things I found out is that most races are permitted as a parade. Like, so there's not necessarily a race permit. So if you think about this in this sense, once you get the elite athletes out the way, all of us are participating in a parade. Because mm. that's the thing, like, you're not going to win. You're not going to get first place because the elite athletes is doing that. So if you're and not if you're in the last, you're, you're basically right. Santa Claus. Exactly. Right? You're the you're the prize at the end of the parade. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, really getting people to really understand that, like, we're all running in the parade. None of this stuff matters. We pay to get a participation medal and participate in a parade. Mm-hmm. You wasn't getting first place. You wasn't getting any prize money because if that was the case, you wouldn't pay for the race. So if you know you're not going to get first place, why does it matter what other place you come into? Your right. job don't, your, your job and your salary don't rely on getting first, second, and third place. You came here for the parade. Just like when you go to a parade or you see the parade, you don't like, ah, oh, man, Mickey Mouse float passed up Santa Claus. Oh, man, here <laughs> comes Santa Claus float coming back up trying to pass Mickey Mouse. Like, no, you enjoy it. That's a great point. And actually, Martinez, my favorite part about that is that you're like, yeah, you might be last. Like you don't tell people, no, no, that'll never happen. You're like, yeah, yeah, that might happen. Yeah. And you can deal. And I feel like, you know, in your book, a lot of those things have happened to you. Yes. You know, you've been heckled. And can you tell the story about hitting a treadmill for the very first time? Because <laughs> I read that, I was like, oh my God, that's like everyone's fear. <laughs> exactly. I even fell off a treadmill, right? So like my first run, so after I was like, I'm going to run to this marathon today, I got on treadmill. I'm inconveniently sandwiched in between two gazelles. So like one guy was going 10, the other guy was going nine. And for some reason, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to go seven because it's like puffing out my chest. Like these dudes doing this, I can do that. And 
I put it on seven. I get on the treadmill and the sound my body made when it hit the ground 15 seconds later was deafening. Right. And like, yeah, these gazelles, I felt like one kept running, just looked back at me and the other one stopped. Like it was just a lot going on and I was mortified, but like I got up out of there and I, the way I see it is like riding a bike. I don't know how everybody else's bike experience went, but I remember being a kid and like getting on the bike for the first time without the training wheels on and falling off the bike. And I remember telling my dad and being like, I don't want a bike anymore. Like you can, you can take it back. Like, I don't want this. This hurts. I'm afraid. And him being like, nope, you gonna, you gonna get back on this bike. You gonna get back on this bike and you gonna learn how to ride this bike because you caused so much hell to get this bike for Christmas. Now you got it. And I think that's the same thing where was for this treadmill of like, oh, I'm going to get back on this thing. Like, A, just to prove myself that I can do it and also prove to myself like it's it's not the worst thing in the world. You got right back on right after yeah. falling. Yeah. yeah. Next day I came back and got back on there. Yeah. You, you talk about being heckled and having that experience and the run club that kind of rejected you or left you and then you got lost. Mm-hmm. All the things that I think people are afraid of. But in your case, it seems like they just made you feel stronger about your ultimate value of making this easier for people. Yeah. Because for a very long time, I felt alone. I felt like I was the only person going through this. And then when I started to come around other people who are also going through this and like share my story and then be like, man, I went through the same thing. Or like, you know, the story I talk about, like the, the chafe monster and like, Right. Talk like, about that because I think no one talks about that. And that's so like, a sort of secret thing that people are like, does this happen to you? So like the chafe monster, right? So like getting chafed is a, is a real thing, right? Like nobody told me, Hey, Martinez, don't run in cotton underwear. Like nobody told me, Hey, don't run, run in cotton shirts. Like I was just out there doing the thing, learning for myself and like got chafed very bad and got in the shower and felt like I was being cut by a thousand razor blades. But like nobody talked about that or nobody said anything until I started asking friends and family. And it's like, oh, man, like there's this thing called body glide. Like what? So I've been going through this for like four months and like nobody has told me this. So I think like one of the things I, I, I really just try to do is that is to shed light on the hidden curriculum of running. I think there's a lot of hidden stuff or like stuff people learned along the way or stuff that. Like a friend of a friend told you, but it just was not shared out widely. Mm-hmm. And the thing I try to do do my best of is just share it out amongst the world and let people know, like, oh, these are the things that I experienced. And you may experience somewhat, somewhat similar, or you may experience somewhat differently, but at least you have some type of context to know that you're not alone because we've all experienced something. Hey, dude, listen, if you feel like you are banging your head against a wall with your fitness goals, I want to invite you to book a free call with a member of my team. Listen, if we've got a program that will solve all of your problems and make your dreams come true, we will totally tell you. And if not, we will point you in the right direction. Either way, you are going to leave this call with a solid plan of action. You can book that call right now at fitfeelsgood.com slash call. All right, back to the episode. Yeah. I also learned a lot in reading your book about running while black and how Mm -hmm. to be an ally for black runners. What do you think people don't understand about that? We can do a whole podcast on this, right? I think the, the, 
the thing that people don't understand is that like, I'm just trying to live my life. Like I'm trying to get home. I'm trying to be in the same piece that I left the house in and I'm trying to be in the same condition I left the house in. And I think that sometimes that's not necessarily the case. I think with gentrification, I think with herbal renewal or where you want to call it, like, I think there's just a lot of mixtures of people from different backgrounds coming into uh, new places or old places. And like people just start to feel unsafe about like who you are, but it's like, well, I was here first though. So I think like those are some of the things that I really think about, but I also think about like how systematic it is to be a person of color and like not necessarily knowing about long distance running until my thirties. Right. So like being a little black boy, you know, only context, you know, about running is track, like track and field, you know, playing football, like all of the, all of the faster players have to go run track as well in the off season to like get faster. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what you knew. But I didn't know there was such thing as like cross country. Sometimes I still don't know what cross country really means, right? Like cross country or like marathon training or things of that sort. Like it was like I just feel like once you get a skin color, you are labeled or like told to go to a certain place. And you just grow up thinking, well, like anything further than a mile is a white person sport. So like it, it just becomes one of those things where you just grow up and you just think, well, this is not for me because like it wasn't, I was, it was anything that I was celebrated or told to go towards. And then when you did start running, you, I think you even said you bought a poodle so that you could yeah. seem less intimidating while running. Yeah. So like, that's the thing. Like I'm six, six, four, 300 some pounds. Right. So like <sighs> understanding that, like I'm in some of these places where, like I said, gentrification is happening. Like you have a lot of, Faces or new faces who are in neighborhoods that that I've been in before or been in longer. And then like they come and it's like, well, I don't feel safe around you. And it's like, well, shit, I don't feel safe around you. Like I was here first. So like, yeah, it, it's it's somewhat of a defense mechanism, right? Like it's, it's hard to see somebody as a threat when you got a 10 pound toy poodle alongside of you, right? Like it's hard for someone to see you as a threat when you're wearing turtles with like turtles and paisley and the, and the turtle is happy right but it's one it's some of those things that i had to do to make sure that i come home to my family and for those of you who are listening what martinez is wearing is his signature pattern which is a very mm-hmm. cute turtle in paisley and it's bright and it's adorable and it's all over all of martinez's stuff Thank um you. and how can people be an ally to black runners I think that's a good question. Like, I know I mentioned some things in there, but I think the the the, the term that we probably need to be really thinking about is like, how can you be a co-conspirator? Because I think allyship is one thing, but I think being a co-conspirator means action and like understanding that we're in this journey together in order to like help the process and the progress actually move. Right. Whether that's joining the RIDC, which is the running industry diversity coalition, or is it, you know, going to your local black man's run or black girls run or Latinas run group and just letting them know, like, do you hear to help support? Like, I think those are things that people can do on like a local basis. I think systematically we, we have a whole lot of work to do. And I, I don't think 
our podcast is going to get us there. I wanted to ask you, you talk about some practicalities for non-traditional runners. And one of the things you recommend is sexy, sexy, sexy pace. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> so sexy pace is, is a term that I coined that that's what running should be, right? So when I started running, I heard about this term called conversational pace. So this is the pace in which like 80% of your runs should be, right? It's also the speed in which you are able to have a conversation with somebody and say more than four or five words. Mm -hmm. And typically what that tells you is that if you're running too fast or too slow, I thought conversational pace was just the boringest thing ever. And I thought, you know, as I was talking about it, I was like, well, I don't feel like this conversational pace. I feel like sexy. Like I feel like I'm on Baywatch and like there's slow motion and like I got my best Pamela Anderson and red suit on, right? So like that's more or less how I felt about running. And I think like that's just just the evolution of like vernacular, right? Yeah. So like who wants to call it conversational pace? That does not sound interesting. That does not sound like something you want to do for 80% of your runs. But if you call it sexy pace, like yeah, like I want to feel sexy for 80% of the time that I'm running. Like absolutely. Totally. And it gives great permission to say like you're not slow, yeah. you're sexy. Exactly. You're like sexy Baywatch runner. Exactly. You also talk about the importance of physical and mental recovery and how to make mm -hmm. recovery as much a part of your identity as an athlete as the times that you're pushing. And I really loved that because like we said before, so many people get caught up in the super macho idea of like all or nothing. And, you know, if I'm an athlete, it means I'm go, go, go. Can you talk about why it's actually more athletic to allow recovery and what it also means to mentally recover as well as physically? Yeah. So like, I, I think this is a great honor that I had of like playing collegiate football, right? So the fact that I played collegiate football, you, you kind of understand like the periods of like being on, but also the periods of like rest and recovery afterwards. And I think for adult onset runners or like non-traditional runners who've never ever like played a organized sport, you don't necessarily understand like the benefits and the rewards that comes from like rest, you know, any sport you think of, like they don't train every day. And I think for non-traditional runners, like we have this notion of, oh, we just got to keep going because like mm -hmm. I, I need to do it every day because this is what this. Yeah. Or I'm not a runner. And that's not the case. And I think let people know, well, like if it's in the plan, how can you really feel bad by taking a break if it's in the plan? Like you did what the plan said to do. Because that's one of the things I just found out is that a lot of people just want to be told what to do and celebrate and say, yes, like, good job. You, you did the thing or like, no, bad job. You need to do it. And it, it's hard for people to really understand that, like, rest is a part of this. Like there, there's recovery weeks. There are times where. You just not need to not think about this thing. That's why there are seasons of sports. Like that's why there's a basketball season and the season is over for a while for rest and recovery. That's why there's not games every day mm -hmm. because you need rest and recovery. If you continue to do something over and over again, you will get injured. Really? And I think for people, just getting people to really understand that of like you need rest and recovery as well, even if you're not a professional athlete, but you still see yourself as an athlete, period. And athletes need recovery in between training. And for everybody listening, Martinez actually gives you full training plans in the book and access to his online 
Slow AF Running Club. So it's, it's an incredibly valuable book if you want to go and you want to get running plans that are specifically tailored to non-traditional runners and all the advice that Martinez gives to those people. Can you tell us where to get the book and how to get involved in your movement? Yeah, so you can find the book wherever books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, your favorite local bookstore. If you want an autographed copy, you can go to slowafstore.com and I'm selling autographed copies on my website. If you want to know more about the Slow AF Run Club, you can go to slowafrunclub.com or you can download the app on iOS and Android. So while you listen to this podcast, go ahead and open up your app store and uh, search Slow AF Run Club and download the app and join over 20,000 uh, runners around the world who are also celebrating themselves and learning how to be a runner in the body that they have right now. I love it. I think Martinez has done that before. Well done, <laughs> Mar Martinez. Any final words for anyone who would love to start moving or running, but they feel like they're too old, too fat, too anything? Any message for that person who might be listening right now? Um, the thing I'd like to tell people is that like everybody starts at zero. And the every day you delay is another day you're just at zero. So it's either someday or day one. You either, oh, I'm going to become a runner or I'm going to get off the couch someday, or this is day one and I'm off the couch. Which one is you? Love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been awesome talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So what did you think of Martinez? There's so much I got from this conversation and reading his book, but I think my favorite takeaway is Martinez's attitude around fear. He doesn't tell you that the scary thing coming in last or being laughed at or whatever won't happen. He just says, so what? You will live. I also love learning that races are held under parade permits. So just think of it as a parade and who cares what order you come in. And next time I have to slow down and catch my breath during a run, I'm going to remember that I'm not running slower. I'm just running sexier. <laughs> I'd love to hear your biggest takeaways as always. So leave me a review and send me a DM. Until next week. Hey dude, thanks for listening. If you like this episode, make sure you're subscribed so you can get the next one. And by the way, if you rate and review this podcast, it really helps me get found by other people who need some goals, grit, and some woo-woo shit. And be sure to connect and DM me at Una Duncan on Instagram and let me know what you thought of the episode. Chat soon.